All right, here I go. Hello out there. It's all my wanton sex goddesses and merry murderesses. It's me, Matt Rogers, here to give you the old razzle-dazzle, as it were, namely by saying the following words. Welcome to the HBO Max Movie Club Season 2. Wow. Massive. Huge congrats to everyone involved on the sequel. Not since Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Next Generation have we seen, you know, a sequel so promising and thrilling. And listen, I'm just going to stop with all my breadcrumb dropping right now, okay? About the subject of our second season premiere here on HBO Max Movie Club, because I know, I know I had yet hello. Folks, I'm so excited because today we're going to be exploring the works, specifically the HBO Max Movie Club streamable, available works of one Renee Kathleen Zellweger. I'm applauding, as you all should be in your cars, but seriously, don't let go of the wheel. A two-time Oscar winner, supporting actress for her role as Ruby in 2003's Cold Mountain, and lead actress for her incredible portrayal of the legendary Judy Garland in 2019's Judy. She's also won four Golden Globes, three individual SAG Awards on top of an ensemble win for Chicago. Hold for discussion on that film in just a moment. And two BAFTA Awards, British Academy of Film and Television Awards, okay? Throughout the late 90s and aughts, Renee was at the top of the A-list. I know y'all remember Hollywood at this time was all about Renee. She was working nonstop before stepping away to take a break and re-emerging recently as luminous as ever and giving what is surely a career-best performance in Judy, which I mentioned earlier. She also once wore canary on the red carpet, and it really worked. Now, I will never forget this. It was the 2001 Oscars, and she shows up in canary, which is sort of a bold yellow for everyone out there at home who may be in the dark about a light color such as canary. And I remember my little gay ass was like, canary on the carpet. Okay, that Renee Zellweger is really one to watch. And then I went to school the next day and got bullied, which, you know, adversity, I think looking back, it was good for me. You know, it's tough to even say what Renee Zellweger is best known for, honestly, because she truly was so ubiquitous during her peak time in Hollywood and a part of so many modern classics. Maybe you're someone who knows her best from Cameron Crowe's iconic romantic comedy and Tom Cruise vehicle, Jerry Maguire, where she famously and effortlessly stopped the most famous man in the world mid-speech in his own starring movie with the words, shut up. And then proceeded to say, no, sir, I'm going to be the one who says the iconic line in this movie, okay? No disrespect to Cuba Gooding Jr. Show me the money here, but I think we all know what I'm talking about. She said, you had me at hello. And the rest is history. Renee goes on to, as we say in the biz, absolutely book, book, book her ass off in films that were critically acclaimed and featured the biggest and best actors in Hollywood, sharing the screen with I don't know if you've heard of her, Meryl Streep in One True Thing, Jim Carrey in Me, Myself, and Irene, who she also dated, by the way. That probably was a ride. And also Morgan Freeman in the, I think, underrated movie, Nurse Betty, which won her one of those Golden Globes I mentioned earlier. But it was probably a role she top-lined that really solidified her as maybe the, to ease like Megan Thee Stallion, A-list actress of the time in a crowded field. And that 
was Bridget Jones's Diary. It's incredibly difficult to earn an Oscar nomination for a comedy, but that is what Renee went ahead and did. Moreover, that film and the character of Bridget Jones truly became a worldwide pop culture icon and an important part of specifically British culture at large. It grossed $280 million worldwide and spawned two financially successful sequels, all of which are, by the way, available to stream on HBO Max. Rotten Tomatoes' critical consensus of the initial Bridget Jones film reads as follows. Though there was controversy over the choice of casting, Zellweger's Bridget Jones is a sympathetic, likable, funny character, giving this romantic comedy a lot of charm. Now, it was controversial due to the fact that, like Harry Potter, Bridget Jones was an iconic British literary character, and it seemed crazy at the time that an American, Renee Zellweger, would play her, but play her she did flawlessly with even British people absolutely flummoxed that her British accent was so dead on and she seemed so bloody English. So something you'll get to know about me is I can't do accents, which is one of the only things that separates me from Renee, actually. Because you know who else can pull off Canary? Me. I'll say it. I can do it. If any designers want to dress me, we can explore that color, especially if I tan. So listen, if you said Bridget Jones was the thing that you know Renee from, I would totally understand that. But I have to say, for me personally, if I were to choose which Renee character lives uh, rent-free in my mind, it's got to be Roxy Hart in Chicago, which for me, all due respect to all the other women who have played Roxy right now, like, you know, specifically, I'm talking to you, Pam Anderson. I know you're out there listening for sure. And this is no disrespect to you. I saw you opening night in Chicago on Broadway, and I thought you were really fun and did a lovely job. But Renee is the definitive Roxy Hart. Rob Marshall's Chicago required someone to really commit from an acting, singing, and dancing standpoint. And mind you, they'd be doing all of this next to Catherine Zeta-Jones, giving the performance of her career as Velma Kelly. So the order was tall. But Renee was perfect. She gave the role of Roxy depth and humor, exploring the dark realities of fame, the media, and how far some people will go to get and keep their dream, while also, I'm sorry, hitting the fucking step every time. So today on HBO Max Movie Club, I'm really, really thrilled because we're going to be joined by the Roxy Timmy Velma. And yes, we have talked about it and accepted those as our realities. And it really wasn't even an argument. The one, the only, Bowen Yang. You may know him from the sketch program Saturday Night Live. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, you might know him from our podcast Las Culturistas. And just around the bend on June 3rd, we're both in the new film Fire Island coming to Hulu. Sorry, HBO Max, but I do sleep around with other streamers. I'm a hoe. A hoe for streamers. So without further ado, let's dive into all things Chicago with, and I'm going to do my best Tay Diggs MC voice here. The one, the only, Bowen Yang! The name on everyone's lips, as it were, is gonna be this girl. Thank you. You're that young upstart I've been hearing about coming for my gig. <laughs> I'm Velma, Honestly, you're Roxy. Wow, that's really a sort of role reversal because, no, you I know, actually, I... No, I I take that back immediately. But were you going to say something? I'm sorry. Well, I just feel like canonically I'm Velma and you're Roxy. So true, bestie. <laughs> so and we've true. actually, we've fulfilled and performed these roles on stage in a way. Did we do Remember? nowadays or did we do 
What do we do as Velma Years ago at The Annoyance, remember when, so we have a friend, Henry Kapersky, <laughs> and he used to do these mashups. And we did, years ago at The Annoyance Theater in Brooklyn, we did a mashup of the music of Chicago, but the plot of Black Swan. <laughs> yes. And Bowen, Bowen was Natalie Portman slash Roxy. Roxy. And I was Mila Kunis slash Velma. And it really worked. It really worked, but... Wouldn't you say that the Mila Kunis in Black Swan <laughs> is like the the upstart coming for for the gig for the established person? I would say that that's true, but I would also say that you know spiritually and like sort of energetically, yeah. Mila certainly occupies a Catherine Zeta space just in the sheer amount of eye makeup applied. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely, he, very, we can all agree. Very 1920s eye makeup on that one. Exactly. Now, so here we are talking about Chicago, and thank thank you so much for joining me on this Renee Zellweger focused episode of the HBO Max Movie Club. I had been waiting to sort of, I I, I was like, what's going to be a good Bowen episode? And I feel spiritually that you sort of stand Renee. I stand Renee. Um, it's a little spotty. I know that all the Bridget Jones movies are currently on HBO Max as of this recording. It's true. I have it's not true. seen Bridget Jones's Baby, although I'm sure I would love it. Yeah, because who doesn't want to check in with Bridget? You know what I mean? I mean, she really, I, I discussed uh, in the intro to this episode that really she is the British pop culture icon, sort of saying to Harry Potter, I'm coming, girl. You know what sort I mean? Sort of saying to Hercule Poirot <laughs> of Agatha Christie novels, Honey, step aside. Poirot? More like Poirot. Poirot. No. More like Pon, no. More, more but, like Pon, uh, no. Okay, but I, I just got to say, um, Chicago we did buy on DVD growing up because yeah. the only way I could convince my parents to buy movies was if they had won an Oscar. Is that so, so? Yeah, so Chicago we got, um, and then Bridget Jones and Edge of Reason, I had to go to the library and rent like once every quarter. Once every three months, I would rent either of the first two Bridget Jones movies and just watch them at home on a rainy day, or if I was like, you know, I was kind of a latchkey kid. If I would come home early, I would, I would pop those in. But those are, but right. I had Renee on rotation for sure. Yeah. And also, I know that you are uh, sort of what could be described as a Jerry Maguire fan. Absolutely. A formative film for you. You often discuss the Kelly Preston sex scene as something formative for you, but also, you know, Renee Zellweger is sort of there looming large the whole time. Absolutely. And Bonnie Hunt, let's not forget. Let's not forget. It's actually, I know we're, I know this is not this podcast, but it's a rule of culture number four. And Bonnie, and Bonnie Hunt, Hunt, let's, let's not, not forget. forget. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, 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 lo- I do love Renee so, so much. And I remember you and I sort of, uh, not to bring this moment up, but that mm-hmm. moment, I would say, I was it was like 2014 or something. Okay. When people, oh, let's, let's actually leave this out. No, what, what, what? I want to know what you're saying. Remember that. And then we can car- decide. If we're remember that red out. carpet moment when everyone was like, "Renee Zellweger oh, yeah. looks like that now." I was yeah. like, "Everyone, stop talking. Everyone, yeah. stop it at once." It, it was. It was. It. I, you know what it is? It like really kicked in. I didn't realize I was so protective over her. Yeah. Until that happened, because I was just like, "Wait, hold on a second. This woman gave everything, and I everything. was actually in my research for this episode. I really realized, like, and she's actually talked about this, and mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting, and you know, is when you're so busy for so long, you actually start stop living your life. Yeah. And from 1990, let's say six to 2010, she was basically living in trailers. And she talks about now how she was so available to everyone else that she wasn't living her own life. And therefore she wasn't able to like imbue her work 
work with anything new or inventive because she wasn't out there actually living her life. Yeah. So she steps away, comes back, and wouldn't you know it, she's aged, and a woman in Hollywood gets raked over the absolute coals. But I do think that was almost a sea change moment in how we talked about actresses. I agree, actually. I recall this where I think the the, the yes, the tide had shifted a little bit where we were like, why are we all up in arms about a woman's appearance? Right. You know, uh, right. In, in, a, in a very inoffensive way, but we're treating it, we're scaling it up to such a, to such a, uh, I don't know, like an annoyance, a violent yeah. annoyance. Anyway. Um, like how dare she appear looking not like we remember her from totally. the time when she was an A-list actress exclusively appearing on red carpets and in glamorous lead roles in film. Yes. Like she shows up and all of a sudden it's like, that's not what I remember from New in Town. Exactly. <laughs> oh my God. Not you, you ever seen New in, New in Town? I don't <laughs> think so. But I remember just being obsessed with the title as, as everyone was. <laughs> Just a great and title. Remember the poster? Just her, like, in a fridge. It, like, it's like, I, I think, obviously, she was, like, a rep- I don't remember the plot of New and Town, uh-huh, and I did uh-huh. review it for the NYU newspaper, okay? Oh when I was God. a freshman in college, I did give it, uh, I panned it. You okay? panned it. I, pan- I unfortunately panned New and Town, but the poster for New and Town is her, like, in, a, like, a little, cute little mini dress, and, like, she's, like, in, like, a tundra. Uh-huh. Are you pulling it up? I'm I'm pulling up the <laughs> cover. Yeah, just sitting on a big Louis Vuitton suitcase. Yeah, yeah. she's new in town. <laughs> new she in came town. in with her Louis Vuitton stuff. She's a fancy reporter. We're gonna we're gonna probably correctly guess. Yes, and I think Harry Connick Jr. plays her like man of the wilderness there, and he Harry sort of Connick her Jr. Off her yes, yes. Siobhan Hogan, Siobhan Fallon Hogan is in it. Oh wow. wow. Um, Pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool. I remember... Pretty cool stuff. Just, Renee just had, like, a pretty desirable career in Hollywood. Still does. Mm -hmm. Um, Still gets, I mean, obviously recently won an Oscar, but I just remember just thinking Renee was it. Yeah. And I also mentioned at the top of this episode, um, before you came on, you know... She she fi- iconically wore canary on a red carpet one time at the 2001 Oscars. Yes. She was in, the, I, I don't know how to pronounce the, the designer's name, but it's Jean Desses, I'm going to say. D-E-S-S-E-S. Okay. As someone mm-hmm. who uh, speaks French, is that, am I am I getting that D-E-S-S-E-S. right? D-E-S-S-E-S. Yeah. Uh, des or Desses. Yeah, it depends on if there's yeah. an accent aigu on the E, on the second E. First of all, talk dirty to the audience, why don't you? Oh accent my aigu. God. <laughs> Uh, uh, now I'm screaming like I'm screaming Renee Zellweger in Texas Chainsaw Massacre: The Next Generation. Um, but uh, so she wore canary on a red carpet, and ever since then I'm like, that is power. When you can stand yeah. on the red carpet at the Academy Awards and say, I'm wearing canary tonight. I mean, there, that was that was the imperial phase. <laughs> Absolutely. Was that was, was that was that the year of Cold Mountain? Was that it, so? It was two years before Cold Mountain and one year before Chicago. Yeah, so two thousand one, okay. she's invited to the Oscars. Here's what's under her belt: Nurse Betty, One True Thing, Jerry Maguire. Like she's very much like arriving mm-hmm. on the scene. I believe mm-hmm. she even won a, a Golden Globe for Nurse Betty at, at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. And then she shows up in Canary, and the next year she's nominated for Chicago. I I think it's not a mistake. It's not a mistake. Not at all. Wow, yeah, 2000 to 2003, so mm-hmm. Nurse Betty to Cold Mountain, that's that's three years. Yes, and, and she was everywhere. Yeah, and that's, and let me let me count, one, two, three, four, I'm going to include me, myself, and Irene, why not, um, a Jim Carrey vehicle, but one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight movies in three years. 
Yeah, and also now I'm realizing she might have been nominated that year of the Canary because of Bridget Jones, because she iconically was nominated for Bridget Jones mm-hmm. at a time when you know people were not getting nominated for comedies. And we no. always talk about this on Las Culturistas, mm-hmm. how they're just not respectful of comedies, but every now and then when you come in and absolutely eat it, eat and, it. Not, and which not to make a comment about Bridget Jones. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> but um, you break through, you break through. You break through. Yeah. Remember? And that was another thing, too. And this is like, it's indicative of, of uh, you know, something I have to examine that I even say that. Because do you remember, it was a huge pop culture moment when Renee Zellweger was going to gain weight to play Bridget right. Jones. They and have the been obsessed too. with her appearance and weight so intensely. Yeah. Yeah. The fact, I, I feel like she has emerged victorious in the end. And now, I oh, mean, over well, it all. But even today, even today, people are sort of, I don't know. I feel like she hasn't been given the grace to like <laughs> just be accepted in her appearance because even today, people are sort of taking issue with the way she's presenting herself in her current work and the thing about Pam. Yeah. 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 And the thing about Pam, which is I guess I guess we're in a fat suit for the thing about Pam. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. <laughs> we can't really but you know I don't know. It's 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 tough. I mean, she I, I think people do kind of index Bridget Jones as a moment where it's, you know, a woman who has the resources to fluctuate weight and yeah. kind of consciously decide and toggle between, you know, different kinds of different between different sizes basically yeah and also it's not dissimilar to things men have done for so long and of course they only get praised for doing it but then when it's an actress they're like but why would you do that why would you gain 25 pounds to get to like you know the weight of 136 to play bridget jones which i believe is like the heaviest bridget jones gets in that movie is like Uh i weigh 136 pounds and everyone is gasping for breath I know it was. It was the first diary entry in the first movie. Is I want to lose twenty pounds, and she's one thirty six. I'm like, honey, I'm like, what are you doing? I mean, and even just positively in, wayfish. Even in the Batman recent release, also on HBO Max, like you mm-hmm. know, Colin Farrell's in a fucking prosthetic like yeah bag. Like no one can, and no one. It's not. That's not really a story. That's not a narrative that people attach to male actors, and that's still the reality. Whatever. No, but it is interesting. She doesn't get the credit for being as chameleonic as she is. Because, totally. And then, of course, you know, she then, uh, you know, gets Oscar nominated for Chicago, loses to Nicole Kidman in the hours. We could debate uh, that one, uh-huh. but then wins for Cold Mountain. Sort of, you know, I believe like the last like movie she really did during that era was like Cinderella Man with Russell Crowe, and then oh it felt my like God. she phased herself out and then reemerged later with you know the Judy of it all. Right. Um, do we discuss now whether or not Nicole deserved the win over Brene? Let's absolutely get into it because my opinion is no. That that Brene deserved to win. I believe that Renee Zellweger... So this is what I think should have happened. Yeah. I believe that Nicole Kidman should have won her Academy Award for Moulin Rouge. I do not believe that Halle Berry should have won the Academy Award that year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Just mm-hmm. going to bravely say that. So then th- I believe, does that carry over into yes. 2002? Yes, because in 2001, that could have happened. And then the yeah. next year, they wouldn't have felt the need to sort of reward and overdo Nicole Kidman. And I believe they took Renee's Oscar from her mm-hmm. and gave it to Nicole. And then the next year, they Renee wins for Cold Mountain, which I don't believe is in her top 10. 
No, it's it really isn't. And and in watching Chicago, I think I I think that I can picture other actors playing Roxy. Sure, but there's something about Renee that is indelible. Even in the way I mean, I, I you know I rewatched the movie uh, in preparation for this podcast. Thank you. So did I. It unlocked so many memories. I used to watch this movie. I wore this movie out, and absolutely. Can I just can I just like give you like a little um, soundbite that might unlock something? Yes. She shoots Fred. She goes, "You son of a bitch!" Like the way she says, "You son of a bitch!" She. It's depth. It's depth. And even and, oh my god, even in yes. the end, even in the mm-hmm. end when she when it cuts from uh, nowadays into her singing it. Uh, in you know, and in her audition to these men, yes, the reprise, the reprise when she goes, um, and that's good, isn't it? Grand, isn't it? And then as great. if she's, as if she, yes, oh my god, okay, so you yes. know, great. <laughs> like she's given up, she's kind of like so self conscious and vulnerable. She's like, I don't know if this is working. I'm kind of humiliated by this experience. Like Renee gave it that in just one little sound. Absolutely, and I think that it is a. Feet not only of like because it's an incredibly well directed film. I mean, Rob yes. Marshall killed this, and I mean yep. he deserves to be given a crack at all these musicals that he's had since because For of sure. this. Because nailed the diegetic. I will also say the styling is iconic. Amazing the set decoration. You know, I love that. You know, someone pointed this out. Uh, someone sent this in as a hot take. But as the movie sets become more fake, like as it looks more staged, the stakes get higher and it all becomes yes. more real. Mwah. Genius. Perfect. Love that. And I would also say that while that's all true, you have to be as an actress like so committed. And she is so committed because Roxy could very well be, and we've seen it done on Broadway so many times, like pretty surface. Like the yeah. the objectives that she's playing are pretty silly, shallow. but they're, also, they're they're clear, they're shallow. Yeah. But Renee, you get a real sense of anxiety and panic and desperation. And even if she's not that smart, she's still giving it a hundred percent and she's committed to what she needs and desires. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, Like she mm -hmm. is really craven in the pursuit of this dream. And there is like a hunger that is portrayed from the very beginning in that very first scene where she's watching Velma perform all that jazz. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. it's just, it's not just something that's easy to play. No. You know? And especially in the turn where she realizes that Fred lied to her like that I think mm-hmm. I think it's all in one take where she's explaining to Fred like this is what my want to make my show to be I want to be aloof blah 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 I think that's all in one take and it doesn't cut until she pulls the gun out or she gets like right. pushed or like I think he pushes her into the corner and she's so dejected at that point and she has to really play that convincingly in order for us the audience to track that she wants to kill this person mm-hmm. within within yeah. minutes within like Minutes of just having sex with him. I it just, I don't know that a lot of other people could have pulled that off. Well, she, she I mean, we we now know, and I think there's this thing of she also was a huge star at the time when the, the stars felt like stars. You know yeah. what I mean? They felt sort of far away, and so you yeah. didn't hear too much about the way they were preparing, especially in a media narrative that was so focused on other things with her mm-hmm. that you don't really understand that this is someone who is like a capital A actress who commits to every role 100%. And you see it in some of her earlier work too. I mean, like Nurse Nurse Betty, the moment where she sort of cracks. Like she plays that 
really small but really real. And in in Chicago, it is like essentially like a like an anxious unraveling the whole time. And then there's a yeah. self-satisfiedness and there is a complacency in her stardom that is played so well and yeah. so funny. And her chemistry with Catherine and Richard Gere and Queen Latifah and mm-hmm. John C. Riley is all yeah. so good and so specific that I think it feels, and we often say this with with like Kirsten Dunst, but it feels easy. Yes. And you have to remember, it's not even just her imbuing the character with all this new stuff after we've seen it done so many times. It's also singing and dancing Fosse. Uh-huh. You oh know? Oh my God. Totally. Totally. Oh, you're so right. I mean, we stand. Yes, I mean, we stand. And also, like, whenever anyone is given the role of, like, like this person is becoming a star, that's also just hard. It's hard to just do that. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, you can't stand in front of the words Roxy with these backup dancers behind you and stand there and just, just be what we need as an audience. That right. has to come from within, you know? Totally. Well, the entire, ooh, I'm a star, the audience loves me, that whole run. <laughs> yeah. If you go back and watch that, just on a choreographic level, it feels, like, completely effortless. Yes. But she's being handled by a group of men, mm-hmm. being thrown down, being lifted up on a mirror, being thrown back up again. It's like, but th- while she's delivering sort of the organizing principle of her life, like, at the midpoint of the movie when the stakes are the highest they the highest they are in the movie where she's so, so, so famous, she has what she wants – there's this like reverie in the way she performs it that I is is crazy when you set it against all these crazy um body things, yes. you know? Yeah. Am I making sense? A hundred percent. It's just it's a lot of tasks at once. Yes. Yes. And th- for me, for me, just to return to this Oscar conversation, I think there was an ease with which she was doing this that made it seem small in comparison to Nicole Kidman wearing a prosthetic nose. I must say, I don't remember too much of... I don't remember that much about Nicole's performance other than her walking into the river, you know? like Certainly, we what we, what we pull from the Nicole performance is the nose, yeah. the Virginia Woolf of it all, yes, the walking yeah. into the river, that's the final image of the film. And I do think The Hours is a good movie. I love but The Hours. But she has a great scene by the train where she's where she says to her 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 lover, you know, if it's between a life of um unhappiness the way I'm living now and death, I choose death. And that was I guess her Oscar clip, but for me it's like this is something that a lot of people could do. Yes. And also in a movie where she shares top billing with two other actresses. Exactly. Like, and you could actually argue that Meryl is the lead of that movie, mm-hmm. and I believe the best performance in it. But um, it's just, for me, it's like, if we're looking back on the on this year, it's like, Renee is the one. I know. I know. Who else was nominated that year? Let's look it up. You know, I believe Julianne Moore was nominated for Far From Heaven. And, and that, th- have you ever seen that movie? Far from uh, I have heaven. not seen Far From Heaven, although I keep being told that I must see it. It's Todd Haynes. It's sort of like, you know, it's 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 really it's like it's like one of those. But I don't remember the other ones. Um was it maybe uh, let's see. Know. Okay, I have it in front of me. Um Nicole yeah. Kidman, Julianne Moore, Renee Zellweger, Salma Hayek, and Frida. Wow, that's yeah. 
Diane Lane and Unfaithful. That's a lot of, there's a lot of Harvey, Harvey Ooh, Weinstein all and over the Diane, place. Di- yeah, there's a lot of Harvey Weinstein all over that. And we can also say, um, you, know, you know, Renee Zellweger at the time, very championed by Harvey. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was We don't rough. have to, I didn't mean to bring up Harvey. <laughs> no, I mean, actually, you know what? I mean, it's in the, it's in the notes for this episode. I mean, you really uh-huh. can't ignore movies at this time. Yeah. And yeah. ignore the impact of the Weinstein company. I mean, like, and you know, Amir Max, Max yeah. at the time. But I mean, it is it is just like a poison that existed in the industry at the time. And if you were an incredible, amazing actress like Renee and like Nicole, like you, you had were, unfortunately, like, you had people like Harvey Weinstein or Scott Rudin behind you. Not and not 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 equating those two men in any sense and what they did. But like you just th- that's just Hollywood. That's Hollywood in the early aughts. Yeah, and yeah. it's really it's really it's 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 really interesting to go back and listen to almost any Oscar speech of this time because they all thank these people that were then so damned. And if it's yeah. if they're not being thanked, then the awards are like being presented by Kevin Spacey. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like it's just, it's everywhere. When you I look know. back at old videos of, of Hollywood at this time, it's like, whoa, him. Oh my God, him, yeah, not yeah, him. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. really drenched and yeah but i we have a segment here on um here on the hmx movie club it's a new segment Bo, and it's called hot takes now this is when people uh they they come in with their hot takes and we discuss them so this is from an anonymous person sent in this hot takes and you all listening at home you can send in hot takes we're going to be doing a Christopher Guest-focused episode next oh, week. Fun. I have a very exciting guest, and we're going to be focusing on the film Best in Show. So go ahead and send in your hot takes on that film. But an anonymous person has has sent in this. Chicago, the movie, is better than the stage show. Now, I don't think this is too much of a hot take, because have you, have you seen the Chicago I've stage version? I've never seen the stage version, although I hear it's it depends on who the cast is. It's very, I would I would call it very like sort of minimalist. Yeah, and that's my th- and I just actually saw Pam Anderson in it. Oh, that's right. So I went to opening night and I saw Pam Anderson as Rocky Hart in Chicago. And I would actually call her, and this is not to drag the ensemble or the yeah. production, but I would call her the best thing in it because really? she was the freshest thing in it. Yeah, because we yeah. have sort of um, you know, it's been on Broadway for a very long time, right? And it's sort of dated in terms of the staging. And especially after you watch the movie version, when you have all this spectacle and all this forgive me razzle dazzle. Mm. And then we're not even going to see the the Velma on stage in like an iconic Bob. Like you're not even going to give her a Bob. There was no Bob Velma. There was no Bob. Damn. What about like a, a, a moth-eaten stocking in the end? There was none of it. <laughs> there was there was none of it. It was really just sort of people on stage, you know, doing the choreo at 70%. And like, uh, you know, there's Pam. And I wonder maybe if they were all marking it so Pam would shine. But like, I don't want to see you mark it so Pam would shine. Don't right. worry about Pam shining. She's going to be just fine. She's going to be just fine. She's a star. Yeah. But I mean, I wish I could say go out and see the 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 stage version, but you don't do need it. To. Why not? Well, for Pam or for or, you know, whoever who are there Roxy's you wish you had seen? I wish I so I wish we had gone to see Erica Jane. Erica, for sure. Um, Lisa Rinna. Lisa Rinna. Michelle Williams of Destiny's Child was Roxy once, I believe. Yes, she was Brandy. Brandy. Oh my god, Brandy would have been they great. They extended Brandy's run yes, at the time. I I I, I heard she was good. 
Yeah, I heard she was phenomenal. And also what I loved about Brandy's Roxette in the videos that I saw is that she gave it like extra riffs. Like uh-huh, she was really uh-huh. giving it Brandy, yeah. like little vocalizes. Love it. Um, which was fabulous. But I mean, I have to say, Renee is the only Roxy for me. Renee is the only Roxy. I wish, you know, if I were a theater goer in the 70s, I wish I had seen Gwen Verdon, wish I'd seen Liza. I think Liza was the only replacement, or not the only replacement, mm. but one of like the big replacements for Roxy in the 70s. Yeah. Um, Liza, I, Liza is Roxy I would love to have seen. 100%. And now we have another hot take that says, if it wasn't for the casting of Zeta Jones and Zellweger, this film would be a discount rack flick at best, says Jackson W. Jackson. I, I think I would agree with that for sure. You think it would be a discount rack film at best if it wasn't for for Catherine and Renee? Well, no. I mean, I mean, the, I mean, with with the direction, it would have been we would have been talking about it. I mean, it's it's a gorgeous mm-hmm. film, yes. gorgeous film, and you must must love and be obsessed with the fact still that Lucy Liu is go to hell. Yeah, is that, absolutely. Is that woman? Yeah, iconic Kitty. What was her name? Kitty. Kitty. Kitty or Kitty something. Pi- Pineapple heiress. Yeah, like, she was just <laughs> her her mother owns half the half the Hawaiians the, the pineapples in Hawaii. I think it's such a great I, I think that, be- that, char- that character beautiful. was in the original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just oh, yeah, there is uh, there is a character in the original, but it's not as it doesn't hit as hard as when Lucy does it. I mean, she really totally. comes in and takes her space. Uh, I also am always, you know, I'm an apologist for Queen Latifah in this movie. Queen Latifah turned it out. People yeah. people seem to rag on Queen Latifah being in this movie, being like uh a weird choice for a Mama Morton, but I always loved her in this. And, and you know what I just listened to, which I think we have to cover? Class. They cut class. Class. I've tried to sing this with you at a cabaret night at the duplex once in a while. And I, I, I just years ago, I would, I multiple times I was like, we should sing class. And you were like, no, I don't know the song. Okay, first of all, I wasn't I did, I never said it like that because I do know the song and I've always known the song. What I meant to say was I was not off book on the song in the way that I would love to be if we're going to present it to, to a people like at the duplex. I mean, like this was that was the big time it's at low the time. Stakes. I don't know. Duplex is like you go up and you just sing a song the best you can and people will appreciate it. I I, I will say this. I was wrong. I was wrong, Thank and I'm you. sorry That's because I was I wrong, and we should have sang it. And I Thank think you. that when you and I do Broadway, that should be in the set list. I mean, the way Catherine and Queen Latifah do it together, really wonderful. I think a lot of the cinematography was cool too. It was just a lot of like shots where they would, they would just sort of turn around and like mm-hmm. rotate. It was they would rotate around the two. Yeah, um, just a gorgeous song. So good, and it's funny. It's funny. And like, I just, I appreciate Chicago for being a candor and a musical that is funny. And, and the, the show itself is a satire on fame. Like I just, I, I'm obsessed with that. And I, I knew that, you know, growing up watching it too, but like, you know, the more, the more things change with fame, the more like Warholian it gets with people like, oh, you know, everyone's famous for 15 minutes, like the way Andy Warhol predicted it would be. There are still some things about it that are always going to be true. And I think Chicago really captures a lot of the perennial things that are always going to be true about fame. Yeah, and you know what's weird? Weirdly enough, it 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 seems to hold up more and more. I think so. Um, That's what I'm in, saying, yeah. In the fleetingness of it, yep. and in the manipulation of the media, you know, right. I mean, it's, it's really sort of ahead of its time. Totally, totally. In many ways. Now, Bowen, um, I have a segment on this podcast that I call, and it really sort of is inspired, it pays homage to a bit that you do called, But How Is It a Queer Narrative? 
Now, um, I over a techno beat, I'm going to list the ways that Chicago, get believe it or not, is a queer narrative. Matt, please hit my track. Here we go. Choreo. Mmm. Fosse, Fosse, Fosse. The singer Maya has a featured role. <laughs> Lighting that hits. Titties that sit. A rivalry. One is blonde, one's brunette. The idea that, hey, we can't do it alone. Community amongst like-minded girls. Showbiz kid. Number 17, the spread eagle. Okay, that's it. So um, that's those are the ways in which this is a queer narrative. What say you, sort of the 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 eyes of of queer media that you are? Oh my God! I think you forgot um, Hungarian slash Eastern European suffering. Yes, Hungarian slash Eastern European <laughs> suffering, <laughs> suffering is, a, is, is obviously a queer narrative. Obviously a queer narrative. Um, <laughs> you get. Uh, <laughs> An allusion to incest when, mm-hmm. when when she goes, he's my brother. Um, queer, queer. That's all I got. I think I think I think you covered everything. You know who I forgot about? Christine Baranski as Mary Sunshine. Oh, really? My God. Just any 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 Christine Baranski supporting role where she gets to go understandable. I mean, that's sort of a queer narrative. This is this is this is the perfect. This is the best line <laughs> in the whole movie. Are you ready for it? Yeah. As you know, my paper is dry. What do you have to say to young readers who want to avoid a life of jazz and drink? <laughs> <laughs> Bowen, I have to tell you, so we have a, uh, we, we have a segment that I'm not even going to do, which is earn the, earn the nomination. <gasps> and I was I, I'm supposed to give you l- of lines to say, but I, you've done I'm it. Off m- hook. You've done it several Seven times. Bitch! Yeah, I Seven mean, you earn. <laughs> You earned the nomination there. And with that Christine line, that, that Mary Sunshine line. As you know, my paper is dry. Like, so, it's like <laughs> Samantha, it's almost like Kim Cattrall, Samantha. Like, they have, they share some DNA. Christine and, and Kim share some DNA. And, like, the women that they portray being, like, powerfully feminine, yes. indulgently feminine, like, yeah. fun to watch. Like, I, we, we love. We love We her. absolutely love. And can we say, like, this movie won a SAG Award for Best Cast. This mm-hmm. is exactly the movie that should win a SAG Award for Best Cast. Like, across the board. 100%. 100%. And Richard, we haven't even talked about Richard Gere. Hot, can we say? So handsome. So wonderful. So funny. Yeah. Like, the, when, when he's, charm. like, charm. Charm. When he's, like, taking Amos's money and putting it into his desk. Like, mm-hmm. like that's like a quick moment of physical comedy there that I that I took for granted as a kid. I was like, oh, that's so that is that is so cleanly played for a laugh that it's yeah. you you just don't appreciate it until you watch it, you know, years later. He's so good. And also the thing too is like he really is. It's like a charm offensive in a way that's like, you know, you get that he's playing this sleazy lawyer, but you never want him to go away. Like you yeah. are like in love with him and obsessed, you know. Yeah. We want Billy. You get uh-huh. it. You really get it. And like you know, again, a, a role that we could have seen played a million ways, but also just now is iconic because of the way that these three did it. And totally. the supporting cast. I mean, all I care about is love is, I think, the quintessential charm song in musical theater. Yes. For me, it's like, you, it's undeniable. Like, the audience, it's like you said, it's like they don't want this person to go away. No. So good. And the singing was good. Great singing. Great singing. Oh. I, I wish that Renee wouldn't have been um, 
she had some stage fright and she didn't perform um, We Move On or whatever, uh, which was an Oscar nominated song at the Oscars. And Catherine did it pregnant with Queen Latifah, which we love. Right. Um, But listen, there's there's time for for Renee Zellweger to perform on the Oscars yet. And there's time for Bell and Yang to perform on the Oscars yet as well. If I'm going to be Velma, I want you to be my Roxy till the dying day. And I want to light up the Broadway stage with you one day and sing class. Thank you. Thank you so much. I hope that we get to do that very soon. I'm sure we will. Um, I just really, before before we end this, I have mm-hmm. to make everyone aware of the song Love is a Crime oh. on the Chicago motion picture soundtrack, which is an extra original song written by Anastasia. Yes. Where it's, it's kind of this like... It's this amazing song. Just listen to it. It's there's there are amazing lyrics such as some might say I'm guilty of loving the first degree if a jury wants to lock me up and throw away the key. Like there it's, oh it's, 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 it's like a pop song sort of like there's some like reggae influence there. It's it's wild. I can't believe the song was made for this movie, but go and check it out. Love is a crime. Love is a crime. I'm absolutely into it yeah and you know what speaking of it's so fitting that you bring her up on the renee episode because if renee's peak was the aughts i think we can say so was anastasia's that was anastasia's (laughs) (laughs) and is it even pronounced anastasia or is it anastasia i we don't we we don't we don't know (laughs) we don't know and can never know the best way to honor her is to listen to that song (laughs) It's the best way to honor her. Um, And with that, we thank Bell and Yang for joining us here on the HBO Max Movie Club. You can obviously listen to our podcast, Last Culture Recess, where we have very similar discussions as the one you've just heard. And also, you could watch the sketch program Saturday Night Live on Saturday nights. Thank you. Or you can watch Nora from Queens, currently on HBO Max. Um, Bowen Yang, what what a dance we dance. And I thank you for dancing it with me like Velma and Roxy. Anytime you want. I love you. Love you, ho. Ho. (laughs) Okay, amazing. (laughs) If you haven't already subscribed, rated, or reviewed HBO Max Movie Club, please do so on the iHeartRadio app, HBO Max, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you might get your podcasts. Thanks for joining the HBO Max Movie Club. The movies we talked about today are currently available on HBO Max. Check the show notes for exact streaming dates, and don't forget to join the club next week. Send your hot takes for all things Christopher Guest and Best in Show with hashtag MaxMovieClub to at HBO Max Movies on Twitter. If you want more Renee Zellweger after this episode, here are her films that are now streaming. Bridget Jones's Diary, Bridget Jones, The Edge of Reason, Bridget Jones's Baby, and Cold Mountain on HBO Max, and Chicago and Down With Love on HBO via HBO Max. HBO Max Movie Club is a production of HBO Max and iHeartRadio, hosted by me, Matt Rogers. Our executive producer is Matt Stillo. Our producer is Sierra Kaiser. And today's episode was written and researched by Kate Voss. Thanks, everybody. 